Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsapornchai. Well, it's uh, good to be back again this week and good to see you again, brother. Uh, you have had something very dear to me for the last week. That's right. That's right. Your, your wife, Jen Jolly, has been down here in Brawley. She's gone from um, almost as far north as you can go in, uh, in the U.S. to almost as far south as you can go down to the southern tip of California, right, uh, right, right just north, 30 miles north of the border. But um, she spent about uh, four or five days uh, with us. Uh, my wife and her had a great time. She worshipped with us and, and got to see a lot of our church life. And so what a blessing that was and and definitely enjoyed a lot of good food. Yeah, I know the one day she sent, we, we were doing temperatures back and forth on Twitter just for fun. And uh, I often looked and thought, you guys are 70 degrees plus warmer than us. Yep. No, thank you, brother. You can keep that down there. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely made for the winter weather. But uh, anyway, well, speaking about winter and cold, um, a a topic that you get the cold shoulder on these days uh, when you talk about today, and I kind of a hot topic, unfortunately, is uh, the topic of abuse. Um, And so uh, Chris Honholds just wrote an article um, on this, which I thought was, I think you and I both had the privilege of reading that before he posted it. it. It's a needed conversation. I think it's a very difficult one to have, um, some for the right reasons, some because people just don't want to make waves. But um, let's talk about that, that article a little bit. Yeah, so the article that that he wrote, and for those of you who are listening, if you haven't read it, I would encourage you to go out and, and read it. He has his own uh, blog site, I think, called SlaveToTheKing.com. And we'll uh, link that, that on the podcast episode. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's great. And, and the article really um, calls for the church to stop platforming those who have been victims of abuse. And initially, that might sound like a cold thing to say, but I, I think it's much needed for this reason, because we're basically treating them as experts in the church and, and how things need to be fixed. And certainly when someone has been victimized uh, by real abuse, I'm not talking about those who just claim it and, and it's not real abuse, but those who have been victimized by real abuse, certainly you want to um, hear those stories and understand what, what has happened and, and be able to take corrective actions. But we want to be careful about suggesting that the word of God is not sufficient, but rather we need to hear from these victims in order to understand um, how to move forward. And, and it's really, there's so many problems on, on multiple levels, but I think Chris laid out a very um, very clear, very thoughtful, um, and very gentle, I would say, um, reason for why this is not such a good idea. Yeah. And, you know, the sad thing is, this is coming from the Me Too movement in the world. It, it, that, that's where it's stemming from. Um, the idea that um, if someone, and it's not just someone who's experienced anything negative that happens to him. Like we, I I read a tweet and actually it was a really good illustration. He said, well, you know, uh, when someone has been um, subjected to a terrorist attack, uh, you don't then platform the victim of that as, you know, an expert in anti-terrorism. And yet we're doing that same thing with abuse victims. Um, And I, and again, I think largely this is because we have just mimicked the world in this way. The Me Too movement is extremely dangerous. And I think it's, uh, it's rooted in feminism um, and it's vile and it's incredibly harmful, I think, for people who are genuine uh, victims of abuse. Um, You know, in some sense, none of us are real victims. We're all sinners. We live in a fallen world. Uh, In another sense, we certainly can be victimized by others. And when you look at movements like Me Too movement, and when you look at what uh, now we're seeing in the church, this platforming of abuse victims, I think it does far more damage. It's far less caring for those who have been through abuse situations then either we think it is um, or, or we've just gotten so caught up in not wanting to appear callous or cold that we're unwilling to say, no, we're not going to platform you. Um, this isn't something that we should be doing. This is not what we see in scripture. 
Yeah, and, and let us be clear on what we're not saying. Um, we're, we're not saying that uh, these issues need to be covered up or that we shouldn't talk about them at all or that we should cover for those who are guilty of, um, of committing the, these acts. Um, I've said this before that um, as pastors of the church, the, the leaders of the church, we bear a great responsibility to make sure that women and children are protected. And we need to take um, all the steps um, possible in order to, to make sure that, that their safety um, is ensured. Now, obviously, we can never be 100% safe from every possible situation that might come up. But I will say that in the event that something does come up, our response to it is absolutely critical. And for anyone who's actually a church leader, whether it's a pastor or an elder, even someone who's a, a, a deacon or just maybe just a servant with children or whatnot, if, if any of these individuals um, are, are guilty of abuse, um, that person is disqualified from that place of ministry. And, and I would say that disqualification um, is, is essentially lifelong. Um, even if they repent, they can repent, be restored back to the church. But if they've been in a, in a position where they have taken advantage and, and actively abused someone else, and when I say abuse, I mean real abuse. You, you know, sometimes we get people that um, someone said something to them that was unpleasant. And then they, mm-hmm. they act like they, they were just, um, they were just shot or murdered or something like that. And, and they're, ultra sensitive. That's not not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real um, sexual abuse or or some sort of act of violence. Um, Mm -hmm. People like that should not be restored back to the work of ministry. They can certainly be restored to the church as members, Mm -hmm. um, but uh, certainly with a pastor or an elder. um, In my mind, they're forever disqualified from those um, spiritual positions. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. I I probably even go quite a bit further. Um, We can just institute the fact that some eunuchs were made by men, in my opinion, um, I, I have no problem with the state absolutely wielding um, yeah. as much authority um, as they can uh, against those men who commit those acts and women. I mean, men aren't the only right. abusers. Yeah. And so and, and I think what's interesting is um, I, I don't know personally a single pastor who doesn't. Uh, feel that way towards genuine abuse. And yet there's this kind of conversation that seems to demonize anyone who would still say, well, uh, basically, if if you don't elevate uh, the victim to, you know, um, almost a popularity status, then somehow you're okay with abuse. Well, it, it, that's evil. Uh, one, it's disingenuous too, um, b- because you're, I mean, really you're slandering pastors. You're accusing them of uh, enabling abusers. And, and, but I see this language yeah. all the time. Right. Um, and uh, you, you made a good point. I think first we're confused uh, as to what abuse means. Right. Um, we we live in a world where essentially um it, if i don't get my way i, I can claim abuse yeah. I mean, that's the world we live in, right? I mean, would, would you say yeah. that's, that's yeah, and, and that's Yeah, and that's the culture of safe spaces and microaggressions where um, even saying something that, um, that, that implies something that may not have even been intended um, can be seen as abuse. That, that's, we, we see this politically where actual violence is not seen as violence, but words are violence, right? So we, we've completely twisted around um, in this society. So we, we are talking about um, actual um, sexual or physical uh, abuse um, that is absolutely unacceptable. Now, why are we saying not to platform these individuals? Well, I think this also ties into the culture as well, because we've spoken at length about critical race theory. We know what critical race theory is, but critical race theory really stems from critical theory. Critical theory is is really kind of the, the, the base at the base of all this, where you had a number of Marxist philosophers that formed what was called the Frankfurt School. They came over to America. They, they took a lot of these Marxist uh, principles. They applied it to culture. And um, and it was Max Horkheimer when, when he first introduced this concept, and he called it a critical theory as opposed to traditional theory, which is our means of learning things. But anyway, critical theory basically has the very familiar to a lot of people by now, has this very familiar idea of the oppressor group and an oppressed group. Mm -hmm. And truth is not subjective. Truth is not 
um, is not uh, discovered by scientific means or by the, the traditional ways that we discover truth. Truth is found by the subjective experiences of those who have been oppressed. And so that's the view of critical theory. And you can see how that has translated into critical race theory, where if you are white, um, you're what they call cisgender um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and male, you don't have a voice. You know, your your opinion means nothing. But if you can check off a bunch of intersectional boxes, you know, being female and minority and LGBTQ and whatever, you check off more of those boxes, then you know you do have a voice. Your your opinion is valued because you're considered to be a part of that oppressed group. And there's going to be more truth with you than there is with someone who doesn't check those boxes. And so that's the culture we live in, where we think that truth is subjectively the subjective truth with the oppressed is more valuable than actual objective truth. But if we're a, a Christian, if we're a Christian, if we know God, we know the Lord Jesus Christ, and we trust in God's word, which all Christians should, then we understand that truth is not a subjective element of people who are oppressed. Truth is the product of what God reveals to us in his word. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, I think, and so we're talking about not platforming uh, abuse victims, and there are many reasons, but let, let me, but the central reason is just very simply this. The church only platforms people for one reason, and that's because they're qualified. Yeah. That's it. Um, and it has nothing to do with your life experiences, uh, what you have or haven't been exposed to. Um, th- there are parameters around those who the church platforms who puts in authority, who lifts up and says, learn from these people. Um, and uh, being victimized, real or, or, or not, um, is not one of those qualifications. So fundamentally, that I mean, that that's that's why first and foremost, I think, because God word, God's word gives us parameters. But I think beyond that, it's really poor shepherding. Um, I think the worst thing you can do is take someone who's just experienced some, um, humanly speaking, traumatic event in their life and then basically air it out to the public. Um, multiple things happen, and we see that. Um, well, the, one, of the, one of the biggest consequences that, or maybe I should say the easiest consequences of that error that we see is um, Satan comes in, and one of the first things he does is say uh, he wants to attack their identity. Rather than the believer having their identity seated and rooted in the person and work of Christ, their, their identity becomes rooted in their abuse, um, yes. And yeah, and and that's that's just one of the easy things that we see from this, right? Yeah, exactly. And and I know you're preaching through Ephesians. You just got through Ephesians one, where it says quite a bit about who we are in Christ, um, right? I mean, all the spiritual blessings that we have received in the heavenly places. Um, there are numerous spiritual blessings. We are adopted. We're we're predestined. Um, we are children of God. Uh, we we've been redeemed. Um, we we have an inheritance. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Um, all of those blessings come right out of Ephesians one. But really, she expanded out to the rest of the Bible. Th- this idea that we are our victims. It's true that we're going to be victims uh, of sin and and of just this world because this world is not heaven where we're still surrounded by sinful people. And so sin is still going to occur. We see that in the apostles, how Paul, you know, he details in numerous places about the treatment that he's received. He's been you know, falsely tried, uh, wrongly imprisoned, he's been beaten, he's been stoned, left for dead, all those kinds of things, shipwrecked. Um, we understand that just as we saw in the apostles, in the book of Acts and, and elsewhere, um, how they were treated, we understand that um, wrong treatment happens in this world. And yet we also understand that no one was treated more wrongly than our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and how did he respond to that? He responded to that by marching to the cross and offering himself as the perfect substitute for us in order to bear the wrath of God and, and give us his righteousness and provide us with forgiveness and, and salvation. So we understand that to, to be wronged in this world is actually something that we expect to some degree um, as Christians. Now, that does not mean we excuse, especially the abuse and sin that happens within the church. Yeah. Um, I know you, you're a big believer in excommunication. I am as well. The goal of excommunication is ultimately restoration of that person back to the body mm-hmm. of Christ, but it also helps to weed out people who are unrepentant, those who are wronging one another. And as we said before, those who are in positions of authority, and unfortunately, we're seeing this too often 
where there are pastors who have disqualified themselves. They disappear from the public eye and then they resurface and now they're pastoring another church, um, yeah. which is absolutely something that should not happen. <clears throat> so we, we do take this uh, very, very seriously. But when people are platforming these victims, what happens is that, you know, just as you said, Nathaniel, their, their identity is being more confirmed in their victimhood rather than the victory they have in Christ. Um, but second, what we're seeing is that uh, there's there's a, a negative effect to the rest of the body of Christ. So there's one, um, there, there's a few I know of in particular who have unfortunately been victimized within the church, but now they've turned it into a ministry where they go to churches and, and basically they have this uh, they, they they have this almost slanderous attitude mm-hmm. where they just assume that everyone is guilty of this, which yeah. is not the right way to respond. Nowhere in Scripture are you going to see that. As, as a good and godly mm-hmm. response. And then also what you will see is this fruit of bitterness. Well, when you go to Galatians chapter 5, bitterness is not one of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, bitterness is a fruit of the world. Um, but, but we're celebrating these individuals in their bitterness uh, rather than encouraging the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so to platform something like that is to give your platform to Satan. And let let me be clear what I mean, uh, because I I know I'll be accused of saying abusers are Satan. Um, That's not what I said, right? The the character of of someone who's given themselves to bitterness, to anger, to attacking the bride of Christ, the church, right? That's what I'm talking about. We we would never platform anyone with those characteristics. And and so, you know, my, I, I genuinely do grieve and have a heart for those who, you know, have, have been, have experienced real abuse. Um, I have, I, we've had those people in, in, in churches I've pastored. Um, we've worked through and counseled some of those people. I've had people, you know, in extended family. And we, we most, most of us can, you know, probably know someone that's dealt with those things. However, um, we can't, as the church, give a free for all card to someone who's experienced something terrible in life. So now all of a sudden um, you, you've been abused for whatever reason. Um, it, we can't then say, well, now you're, you're just free f- from any responsibility of sin yourself. Yeah. Right. And, and so you can't go from uh, being abused to then attacking the bride of Christ everywhere you go. That's just not acceptable. Right. And, and uh, I think a lot of in our culture, it's hard to say that, um, I, I know a lot of well-meaning guys who would not say that um, out of fear of retribution, um, but this is also just part of shepherding and pastoring. We, if we really care about these people, we, we can't um, just step back and let Satan attack them in the areas that he easily can, which happen to be things like bitterness, unforgiveness, etc. cetera. Uh, I mean, we have a very real enemy and um, giving people a platform because we're afraid of the world. And I think a lot of it is just that we're afraid of the world. We don't want anyone to accuse us of, of being a quote unquote enabler um, that we in a lot of cases just decide we're not really going to shepherd this person. A really good example um, is, uh, you know, a young lady who's become known in the SBC. I'm not going to repeat her name here. It's unnecessary, but um, you know, she was paraded up front at this last SBC convention. And let me tell you how sick that made me to my stomach. And um, I I don't think that young lady is a believer. Um, She has made that statement herself in past uh, messages on social media. I think uh, the fruit of what I see witnesses that to be true. But what disgusted me was a pastor was the one who brought her up front. And really, um, it, it was clear that he did that so that he could get something passed, a resolution in the SBC. And so, in my mind, um, that man should be disqualified. He He used the brokenness of a young lady, possibly an unbeliever, to accomplish some political motive in in the church, right? Um, and yet we are we so we're so biblically literate that most a great majority of guys cheered that on um, to the expense of a young lady and her pain, but possibly an unbeliever, right? Nothing good came from that. 
in all yeah. honesty. Um, and so we, we've got to start speaking about these things. And it, it means that we aren't going to, the world's not going to be very friendly towards us for saying these things. But if we really care uh, for the body of Christ and we really want to shepherd people well, and, um, it, you know, it's not, it's like what we wouldn't do if someone comes in the church and, you know, they're drunk and they've, uh, I don't know, whatever, um, whatever sin they've fallen into that's given them what they would perceive to be a traumatic experience, we wouldn't all of a sudden platform them and uh, air out all their dirty laundry, so to speak, and make ministries of. So why do we only do that with abuse victims? I mean, it is interesting. There's no other area that I'm aware of, and I could be wrong, uh, but are you aware of any other uh, kind of tragic event that we do this kind of thing with in the church? No, I, I think we're seeing this uh, very um, often, uh, both with the Me Too movement, which would be kind of the critical feminist theory kind of thinking movement. And, and uh, we, we see this with um, the, the critical race theory and, and racism. I think those are the hot button areas uh, right now. And, and what we're getting back to is this, and we've talked about this before, the, the Bible is fully sufficient um, for all needs that are spiritual, all right, and, and this is a spiritual issue, okay? When, when someone goes through this kind of trauma, um, we, we tend to think of that word as being only something that can be handled by a psychiatrist or a psychologist. You have background in, in working with um, psychiatry, um, so, so you know this as well as anyone else. But uh, when someone goes through those issues, the, these are spiritual issues that need to be uh, addressed um, using the Word of God and, and to help encourage the person's trust and faith in, in the sovereignty of God, but also in reminding us that this world is temporal and that we have something much more um, long-lasting. We have something eternal coming up, a promise in the future. We have a citizenship that's not here, but in the future when Jesus Christ returns. And so we, we don't want to get too caught up in the ways that we are wronged in this world, because in this world, we're called to mission, where we're, we're called to glorify God, where we're called to make disciples of all the nations. <clears throat> I've been, um, I, there's a message I preached a few months ago, and it's basically four major aspects of Christianity, worship, discipleship, fellowship, and citizenship. If you understand those four things, you understand what it means to be a Christian. And when you look at what, what's happening in, in this kind of Me Too movement, it's all about griping um, uh, about the the failures of man without talking about the redemption that's in God and in Jesus Christ. And we have to remember that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Now, I'm not saying that that, that people who are victims are not saved, not saying that at all. But I am saying that when we start to platform victimhood and start to platform this bitterness and start mm -hmm. to lift them up as experts above and beyond those whom God has gifted, right? So, we, we understand that people have been gifted by God for the work of service to the church. When we platform this victimhood above those gifts, we are not only saying that scripture is insufficient, but we are also saying something about the gifts that God gives us, that the experiences that people go through are more important than the spiritual gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit intended to feed um, one another and to build up the church. Yeah. I mean, there is no such thing as the abuse ministry in the church. Get rid of that garbage. And it is garbage. Um, I, I mean, scripture tells us what ministries generally look like, and we can, uh, you know, they, they can vary from place to place a little bit and how they play out. Uh, but there's, there's no such ministry as that. No. And let me tell you what it does. It perpetuates the idea that you cannot trust the church. So let me ask you, um, who do you think would be the proponent of that kind of idea? It certainly isn't God. It yeah. certainly isn't God. But that is the fruit of it. And and I think we've got to step back, cut off some. Too much of this conversation happens with emotions, right? Um, and and I and I I get that. We God's given us emotions. We've got to rein those in. Um, but when you let your emotions drive the conversation and dictate our theology, um, you you're you're in error, right? I mean, that's not what we should be doing. We should be looking to scripture and saying, well, how do we deal with abuse in the church? Well, as it turns out, um, we've had this from the very beginning, church discipline. Um, th there are other things that we have to do. There are laws that we need to obey. Um, and, and certainly when we have to report stuff, we do, right? Um, good pastors do. Um, and, but then dealing with these things in the church, 
we, we have church discipline. It's spelled out for us. And right. so that's adequate because it's what God has said uh, to, to deal with these things. Um, and, and then, of course, again, let me be clear. I'm not saying that we don't report things to the authorities. We do that. We do that right away. Um, you know, those are, are good things. They're necessary things. We should do them. Uh, no pastor should be covering up any of this stuff. And I think we've made that clear. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, absolutely but, not. Uh, but the church... Uh, we have instructions on how to function in the body of Christ. We also have instructions on what to do when we're wronged, yeah. right? And I just want to read a couple of these because um, uh, abuse, of, abuse victims need to know these things, and pastors who are platforming them need to know these things um, because I think we'll find that um, they're quite counter to what we're seeing in the church. And just a few of them, and I won't even read the whole thing, but um, it, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I, I, that destroys the Me Too movement. It destroys the Me Too movement. It doesn't say what's happened to you is okay. But it does say, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. And abuse is certainly, um, you know, falls in that category. I, I mean, and okay, so if that's maybe not necessarily persecution towards your Christianity, because that's really what that's speaking of, um, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Slander, you know, if you're slandering the church now because of what you experienced, that's evil. If you're attributing evil motives to pastors because they aren't dealing with things the way you think they should be, that's evil, right? Um, uh, I mean, another one, Romans 12, 19, never take your own revenge. I, I mean, this destroys the platform, too, because if we're honest, most of these ministries are revenge ministries. That, that's what they are. They want, they want revenge. But Scripture tells us, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Um, and so, what does an abuse victim have left? Well, well, what do you mean, what do they have left? They have everything. They have everything, yep. I mean, Ephesians, we referenced that passage earlier, but right, it says we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And right. so, do you, do you believe that? Yeah. Or do you not believe that? Um, it, it's interesting, all of these uh, things that we're seeing, problems that are arising, really uh, attack the sufficiency of Scripture. We've talked about this. Um, and we'll keep talking about that because I think that's the predominant attack we see today. It's not necessarily over inerrancy or even authority, as it were, um, but it's the sufficiency. And it's interesting. I was going to read a uh, read a response that I got on Twitter. I couldn't find it, but basically, it was you know a young lady who had said she was abused, and she made a very sad, sad statement, something to the effect of how she didn't find any of her help uh, or healing in the church. She had to go to the world for that. And it was very interesting. Um, so she admitted that she was on medication for depression and um, said that uh, it hasn't cured the problem. It just yeah. helps her cope. Now, that was very interesting from yeah. an abuse victim's own mouth. But here's the reality. God doesn't want you to cope. He wants you to have hope. And it's entirely different. You don't have to live a life, and nor should you live a life of just trying to cope um, as a believer. Um, we have hope in Christ. We look to the cross, and I think at one stage I made a comment about um, you know seeing your depression nailed to the, at the foot of the cross, and and that that should be sufficient for us. It doesn't mean that it magically goes away, but right. it, you know as we renew our minds, as we go to Scripture. Um, hey, most of these guys don't know their Bible. I, I have yet to see uh, personally, and, and, and this is no um, indictment on the, the abuse victim as an abuse victim, um, but I have yet to personally see someone claiming to be an abuse, abuse victim who actually knew their Bible. Yeah. So, of course, they're struggling because they don't know what the Word of God says. And if the pastors around them, um, well, if they're allowing, it, a lot of them aren't even in church, right? They aren't committed to a church. Um, but if they have good pastors around them, then they'll be pointing them to Scripture. Uh, you aren't going to find your healing um, if you're not looking to Scripture, 
right? And if you go to the world, then you'll get exactly what this young lady who very rarely do I see them just openly admit that. Good for her. Uh, but I think that's the experience of everyone that I have known. Um, I never had a patient in the psychiatric hospital who um, said it would communicate anything other than it just helped them cope with it, but it didn't deal with the root of the issue. Right. Yeah. And we did a, we did a previous episode on, on depression where we talked about this, um, that the medications that um, are prescribed are not medications that really treat the source. They just try to treat these symptoms. We want to get to the, the, the source. And, and to your point, you know, a lot of those um, that end up getting platformed and, and those who support them, you really don't see a whole lot of um, recognition of what scripture says. They either don't know what scripture says, or they know it and they don't believe it, um, or they know it and, and they believe it, but they don't see the power behind it. They don't, they, they don't know how to apply it. And, and let me give you an example. And, and I've mentioned this example before, but when we think about the Apostle Paul and, and this thorn in the flesh um, that he had to go to the Lord three times for, mm. right? And you would think if anyone deserved to have their prayer answered, it would have been the apostle, the apostle Paul, especially as Jesus had called him specifically to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He was going to show him how much he was to suffer for the sake of Christ. And he had this thorn in the flesh that he described as being tor a, a source of torment to him. Um, that was Satan's um, goal in that thorn was to torment him. But God had a different goal, which was to prevent him from exalting himself. And when our Lord Jesus Christ finally answered the prayer, what did our Lord say to Paul? He said, my grace is sufficient for mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. That is a very unwoke kind of answer, right? That, that, is, not a, that is not a culture-friendly answer because what Jesus Christ is basically saying is that, Paul, everything that I have already given to you is sufficient for all mm -hmm. the difficulties and trials that you face, including this source of torment in your life. And probably just as important as those words of Jesus Christ was Paul's response to that. His response was, I'm going to boast in my weakness for when I'm weak, then he is, then Christ is strong. And then that exactly is how we have to heal. We have to learn from these examples that we have in scripture. And I've mentioned Jeremiah in the book of Lamentation. And how through tears, he's watching the temple be destroyed. And he's talking about how all his hope has been dried up from him. But then he reminds himself of the faithfulness of God. And then that's what leads to the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. That's found right in Lamentations uh, chapter 3. And so these are the kinds of scriptures that when people know the scriptures, and especially those who are the pastors, uh, biblical counselors, they should be able to rally to the side of, of those who are suffering and, and help them to see the beauty of scripture. Because to, to, to suggest that that man-made wisdom is going to provide more healing than what God's word um, actually provides, um, that to me is actually a scary suggestion. Um, because if someone actually can look at the wisdom of God and then say that this is not as good as something that was that, that was concocted by men starting the 1800s, which I'm referring to the field of psychology, mm -hmm. concocted by men who didn't believe in God, sin, the Bible, or, or any of that, that th that provides me greater comfort. <clears throat> I have to really wonder whether you really truly believe the word of God or not. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. And 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 by the way, when Chris, he wrote that article, he tweeted about it. If you look for that tweet, there are actually a number of women who mm. affirmed what he wrote. They said, yeah. I too have, have been a victim and everything you said is absolutely correct. And so I would say that if you're going to use someone as an example to edify the church, the only way to do it would be someone who has healed God's mm. way. Mm -hmm. And then let that person share with others mm -hmm. how, you know, what she went through and then how the word of God helped bring her healing, because that is edification God's way, not the mm -hmm. world's way. You, you don't want someone who's going to say, yeah, I read God's word and it doesn't work. You don't, you, you don't see that exalted anywhere in, in scripture. You know, so we, we th this is the reason mm -hmm. why we have to be very, very careful uh, about this kind of situation. Um, again, the ones who are gifted to, to teach and to counsel are the ones who have been given those gifts, not the ones who have, have been made victims. You, you don't know what's going to come out of the, uh, unfortunately, look, someone who has been victimized, it could be anyone. It could be a brand new believer. It could be a false believer, right? Or, or it could be mm -hmm. someone who, who has been faithful and, and in the church for a long time. You can get any range of people. The fact that they have been abused doesn't make them uh, now become uh, an ecclesio ecclesiological expert on how the church is to operate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, our it, it doesn't make you special. It, it just doesn't.
you know, um, and that that seems harsh, but I think we just need a little bit of a, a, a wake up, a reality call. Um, Christ suffered. Um, all the apostles suffered. And, and, and it's an interesting point. It, you're talk, we're talking about platforming people who are going to point to Christ rather than pointing to the world. Um, it, we also want to platform people, again, who are, have, have the character and quality that Scripture mentions, but who aren't going to point them to themselves as experts. Yeah. I, I mean, there is, it, it's interesting how arrogant and prideful this um, abuse platforming has become. Um, well, I'm, I was abused, and so therefore you have to listen to me. You're never going to step foot on my stage. Um, I, I am very happy um, to let someone uh, talk to other believers who would say, you know what, uh, I was abused and um, I look to the cross and this is what God did in my weakness. Those are in two entirely different attitudes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, and I, I'm thinking of this and and not specifically abuse, but just this kind of humility. Joni Erickson Tata, I'm not, I'm not sure if you're yes. familiar with her, but yep. I, a great example of someone who could very easily claim victimhood. Yes. Right. Um, and I mean, her life is more difficult than most of us will ever really understand. Um, and, and yet she constantly points to Christ um, as in, in fact, I mean, she's even said that her her tragic and it was a tragic accident. I mean, she went from being fully functional to having an accident, which put her, you know, in a wheelchair for life. And so um, she has lost something that she once had. And rather than that being um, a point of look at me, I'm, I'm a victim of my circumstances. It's been this is one of the greatest things God has done for me in my spiritual life. I, I mean, that's. It's amazing testimony. That's the work of God that does that. Um, and so that's the kind of humility uh, that we would want to see before we ever platform anyone for anything. Um, but especially in this. And I think, you know, so many of these women, rather than being platformed, need to be just sitting under the preaching and teaching of the word. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm blown away by how many comments there are just in general of um, how that is the worst thing that could happen to them by professing Christians. In fact, I, I want to read this comment because I've seen a lot of it, and I know you have too, but I think it's just indicative of part of the problem. So, um, I said, uh, what is the absolute best place for any victim? And now, so this is on my post on Twitter. A committed member of a biblical church, rightly submitted to the elders, devoting themselves to the preaching and teaching of God's word, prayer, and the ordinary means of grace. And so you go back to the book of Acts, you see new believers, they came to Christ, and it says they were continually devoting themselves uh, to the apostles' teaching, to prayer. And so that's where I'm picking that up from. And of course, this is the best place for anyone, right? Uh, not just a victim. And then I say there are no exceptions. This is God's good design. Listen to one of from a very verbal professing Christian. Uh, listen to the response to that. Terrifying mm. is their first word, exclamation point. Terrifying. This that you've described has enabled countless abusers and their victims are re-victimized over and over again by this warped idea of what God's design is. Yeah, that's 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 a, a terrible, terrible statement. It's terrible statement. It's frightening. It's yeah. blasphemous. I, yeah. I mean, it, it, I I pray that um, God's grace is found in cognitive dissonance with this person because surely they don't mean what they said. Because if they do really mean what they said, then they're saying God is the one who enables countless abusers because that right. was His system. Yeah, I mean that's the implication of that, and so I don't think that's I don't think they would say that. Um, thankfully, but um, but the idea was basically that well you can't tell an abuse survivor to submit, right? So they they need a platform. Um, now they're the expert in abuse, and submitting to someone is what caused their abuse, and so now 
Um, although God's word says that we're su- to submit, I mean, look, we're all to submit. Husbands submit to Christ. The wives submit to the husbands. We submit to one another as brothers and sisters. Church members submit rightly to their elders as they follow Christ. Um, we are called to live a life of submission. No one's excused from that. Um, and, and so, really, I think what I see in this is just one other. I, I mean, it's feminism underpinned is uh, underpinning all this is feminism, um, but it's a way for Satan to come in and just create more division and really rob some of uh, the ones who are more more vulnerable and need the most care to rob them of the very thing that they're saying they want. It's it's a great irony, but Satan often does that, right? Um, he takes you away from the very thing that you need. Yeah, it's, and it goes back to the Garden of Eden when Satan said to Eve, did, did God really say? And when Eve confirmed what God actually said, and she even added more to the commandment that wasn't actually there, um, but he, Satan responded back, uh, you shall surely not die. And he basically called God a liar. So that has been going on from the very beginning. And, and when we talk about you know, the tragedy of the victimization that happened there, for, first of all, there, there, there's a, a slanderous response to all this that we're simply just enabling or covering up for them because we're not. That, that's, that's a very, very weak and pathetic straw man. That's what that is. Yeah. Uh, because uh, because we take that issue seriously, and as we've said, people who are guilty of that need needs to be um, they, they need to be confronted. They they need to they need to face the penalty of their actions. Um, they are no longer beyond reproach and should be disqualified from any positions of ministry that they're in. Um, so we believe in taking those steps and whatever the government would add on top of that. Um, certainly, we we would support that as well. So we're not taking the common actions of the Roman Catholic Church where we just try to keep those abuses in-house and try to hide them from everyone. No, I mean, if the if there are legal ramifications mm-hmm. behind that, we we believe in taking them to the fullest extent that the that the government uh, would would prosecute them. Um, but here's the other side of this, too. When, when we take this kind of notion that, oh, God's way doesn't work, which is basically what that tweet was suggesting, yeah. you know, sitting under the uh, the, the preaching uh, of the uh, of the teachers and the preachers at the church and growing with the believers in Christ and, and letting them pray for you and be an encouragement to you and edify you and then setting your hopes upon Jesus Christ and and the hope of, of his return in the future, um, th- that is really the pathway to, to healing. But when someone says that that is just enabling, what they're saying is that God's plan doesn't work, yeah. right? And, and instead, what they start to suggest, and, and what you see with a lot of these churches that really push this forward, that, that really provide their full support in this kind of Me Too movement. What happens is that they start to deny the Word of God. So, we've also seen a number of mm-hmm. tweets of people that are saying that if the Apostle Paul was a false teacher. Oh, and the yeah. only reason why they would say that is because they want to be able to take what he has said about how male teachers should only be the ones uh, teaching yep. and, and women are only to teach women and children. They want to be able to take that and just rip it out and, and not even pay attention to it. Um, so, you, you get this kind of fruit where they deny the, the Scripture but also what you see as a fruit, and we mentioned this, uh, I just mentioned this a moment ago, was bitterness. So you're encouraging people to be bitter. You're encouraging people to take up this crusade, this social crusade. And, and the result is that they assume, and, and I this has happened to me, I'm sure it's happened to you, where people have addressed us and assume that we are also abusers within the church. Yeah, and, and from my point of view, it's like, you know, first of all, you don't know anything about me. You haven't talked to anyone in my church. And for you to make that kind of statement, that, that is a bold accusation, but they feel that they are justified. So there's also mm-hmm. this mindset of you are guilty until you prove otherwise. And, and again, this traces back to the culture of our age. It's, it's how critical theory teaches us to think, but it is very <laughs> unbiblical. It is very unbiblical. So we go after those whom we know are guilty. Um, and then those who are not, we investigate or those who are we're unsure, we're in, we investigate. And, and for everyone else, we, we give them charity. And then we trust that, uh, that, that the word of God is still going to accomplish its good purposes. So all this attack is really undermining the foundation of God's word and his plan for us. And when we talk about victimization, I'll tell you what, that the real victimization happens in these churches that cave to these movements and starts to teach people that God's word is not enough, but you need mm-hmm. the wisdom of man. You need the bitterness of men. You, you need yeah. to undermine scripture. You, you need to take up these social crusades. And guess what gets lost in the process? What gets lost is Christ. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's well said, brother. It, you know, as you were talking about that, I, I was thinking 
you know what? Um, when we look at all this stuff, um, and there are certainly guys that are proponents too, but mostly we're platforming women, right? Um, yeah. Let me just, I, I, w- I want to just go to God's word again, because again, this is the standard uh, by which we have to live. And l- let me just read the character of a godly woman, and you just consider um, the majority of what we see in, in this movement and see if it compares or how it compares. So, this is, uh, you know, in, in Peter. So, it's not even Paul. This is Peter. Um, so, he's, he's talking about husbands and wives, um, and he goes on to say, your adornment must not be merely external braiding of the hair, uh, the wearing of gold jewelry or putting on dresses. And so, you know, he's talking about that sort of thing, but, but listen to the next part, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. You know what I don't see in any of these big platformed women, a gentle and quiet spirit. Um, I'm not saying that they aren't believers, although I certainly do believe some of them aren't. But what I am saying is that if we really care for them, if they have people around them who really care for them, this is what we ought to be pointing them towards. And we shouldn't be platforming anyone outside of this. I mean, this is what it says is precious in the sight of God. Um, And so, we look at the fruits of these things and yeah, I, and, and again, it's not to be callous um, or cold towards, you know, what happened to them. Abuse is a terrible thing. Um, it absolutely is. Here's, here's the reality. It's interesting. I know um, I, I've seen some uh, people accused of being uh, enablers and abusers themselves, and I happen to know that they, they themselves were actually abused. They just they don't find their identity on it. They don't speak to it. They don't say anything yeah. about it. Right. Um, right. And, and so sometimes I want to say that, but I don't because I, I know they don't want it known. But um, and, and I just think, you know, if if we applied the same standard, um, well, well, that's just really it. One person speaks up and says, you know what? Um, I was depressed and really I came to deal with it when I realized that it was just my sinful selfishness. I wasn't getting my way. Um, mm-hmm. And until I dealt with that, um, until I dealt with that, I had depression. And then once I dealt with that, and then of course that person's dismissed, right? It, yeah, it's important right. Right. Uh, that we recognize that. And the same with the yeah. with the abuse. So you, Chris uh, Han holds his article. Lots of, as you said, several women have have uh, you know raised their hand and said, "Well, look, I was abused, and I agree with one hundred percent." Well if they actually care what abuse victims have to say, why are all those women dismissed? But right. see, this is the thing. It's, it's a straw man. The point is to try to catch someone where they don't have experience and they can't speak to, um, except that doesn't work if you're a believer because we have scripture and God speaks to how we deal with all of these things. Amen. So, it doesn't actually matter whether or not I have personally had to deal with alcoholism or sexual abuse or um, – I'm not the healer. Neither is any pastor. Yeah. Um, we we have a book um, given to us by God, points to Christ the healer, and we're just simply pointing them to the one who does bring healing and wholeness. Um, and so, we don't have to have experience in those things. Uh, those are ridiculous arguments. And we see that because, again, when someone raises their hand and says, well, I, I was abused and, and it was scripture that helped me out of it, we just, that's the end of the conversation. They're just dismissed, right? Yeah. Um, and so, we see a lot about it. But this is the character. Um, I think, I, I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm sad that I don't see more healthy ministry by women in the church. Um, there, my wife and I talked about this off and on throughout the years. Um, I think there is a genuine lack of um, Titus 2 ministry, uh, of um, godly character, women who have the character of what we've just read in First Peter, um, who will come alongside other younger women and teach them how to love their husbands right. and how to train their children in the admonition of the Lord who are servants in the church. Um, and uh, w- instead of having that, w- we have, well, w- we have what we're seeing now, specialized uh, uh, 
sin, you know, abuse ministries, um, which the fruit of is anything but what we see in scripture. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's unfortunate. I do agree with you. Um, When you have good and godly women within the church um, who have lived according to God's word and have gone through um, difficult circumstances where they have found the answers uh, given to us by God, those are not the people that we should be canceling. Those are not the people that we should be silencing. Those are the people that are pointing to the sufficiency of God and his word and, and who um, can be very helpful towards others who have gone through similar circumstances, just to be able to show exactly um, how they were able to do it. In fact, I would think that if someone who's been victimized and has had great difficulty finding answers in God's word, but has instead resorted to I would think they would say, can you show me? Can, can you show me how it mm-hmm. helped you? Um, you know, what, what verses did you go through? Um, t- talk to me about your prayers, um, the, the process and all that, the, the process that, that the Bible showed you. That, that could be highly instructive, but I think we see a scheme of Satan in discounting those things mm-hmm. and saying, okay, well, if you said you found it through God, we're going to dismiss you instead of hearing from you, because we would rather hear from people that found answers outside of God. That That's a dangerous, dangerous uh, place to be in. But that is also the culture of the age where if you don't agree with the popular uh, kind of narrative of the progressives or the liberals or the leftists, if you don't agree with their narrative, then you are automatically canceled. And, And we certainly don't want to exhibit the behaviors of the world. We should be holy. We should be separated. And one of the greatest ways that we show our holiness is by our reliance upon the word of God. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, Eki, are you telling me that sometimes I'm just going to suffer and I have to trust God? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we see, so we see so many examples of that throughout scriptures. We see, and you know what it, it also, and, and let me say this too, and I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. This world is not our home. Okay, I mean, Philippians 3.20 says our citizenship is in heaven, mm-hmm. and, and we sometimes need these circumstances to remind us that, that, that our hope and yearning can't be in this world. And, and a lot of the times when these movements um, arise, and especially these that, that just want to stay in this kind of victim's mindset, it's all about the here and now, and it's very much minimizing the, the mm-hmm. promises that, that we have coming in the future. Well, we should be putting all of our hope. First uh, Peter chapter one verse thirteen says to set your hope fixed to set or to fix your hope completely upon the revelation to be brought to you um, to the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, so that that is very very clear. And and yeah, we are going to have difficult seasons. Um, the, the Bible tells us a lot though about why God um, brings us through those those trials and those seasons. Sometimes He's disciplining us. Sometimes He's growing our faith. Um, sometimes he's just glorifying himself because you are already a righteous person and he wanted to show your righteousness through that trial. Um, sometimes it's just a re- result of, of the sin that's around us or that the world hates you. All of those reasons you can find very, very clearly in scripture. But when you go to worldly reasons, you give no room for any of those reasons to actually be made, uh, made known to the person um, who went through the, uh, went through the abuse. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, going to the world, um, you're, you know, you're you're going to end up fighting against God if yeah. if that's where we're going. And we we don't. I mean, we've talked about this before. We we don't have a good theology of suffering um, in, in Western Christianity. You go to other parts of the world, and it's just it's normal, right? Um, they they don't uh, they don't respond in the same way we do here in the West. Um, but and I, but I think another thing is we we have this issue because we don't understand who God is and we don't understand who man is and we don't understand sin, right? We don't know God, we don't understand man, and and we don't understand sin, um, and we don't understand God's sovereignty in all of this, um, and that that will be a very difficult thing and maybe for another podcast. Um, but there is nothing that happens that happens outside of God's. Of God's will, um, and, and including the terrible sin things that happen now, God's not responsible for the sin. I mean, scripture we we understand that, um, but the the right heart is to say, how do I? I mean, look, if you're struggling, um, is first to say, what does God say about this? 
Right. But but then very closely following that, if not simultaneously, should be how will God get glory from this? Yes. Right. And that's the heart we want. It doesn't mean we don't struggle. We're not difficult. We don't we don't have difficult times. I think we talked about Job in a previous one when we talked about depression. Right. But I I mean, really and truly look through um, some of these great men and prophets that dealt with things and they didn't have medication. And one might say, well, if they actually um, I had a lady say that it would have been better for Job, uh, that medication would have been helpful for him. <laughs> and I just thought, you must be kidding me. Like, yeah. um, before that comment, I actually asked her, have you ever read the book of Job? Because it seemed clear to me that she had not really read the book of Job. That comment confirmed the fact that she's never really read the book of Job. Um, because, I mean, you would have been medicating against what God was doing. Uh, I don't know that we think about that kind yeah. of thing. No, um, that's, that's a great point. That That is a great point because God is seeking to accomplish his purpose in you. And that purpose can only be realized when you understand the trial that you're going through spiritually. And if you take medication, the suggestion is that um, w- without you maybe thinking it directly, but the implication there is that the issue is not necessarily spiritual, but something that can just be fixed with with medication. Um, and it's not something that you need to address otherwise. But no, it's spiritually, um, you are going to grow when you don't depend upon um, man-created uh, solutions, which are not solutions at all, but rather just trust upon God. Yeah, and it, you know when we understand what these things are, it's it's helpful. And we've talked about that a lot, right? These uh, we're not talking about things like insulin or chemo treatment. I get no. weary of people who bring up that. I, I really just want to say, stop that nonsense. Um, it's clear we're not talking about that. But um, the, these kind of medications for depression, for you know, a lot of uh, abuse victims struggle with depression, things like that. Um, but these medications, I mean, they're specifically just designed to numb you. Uh, yeah. So it, it it doesn't you know it doesn't fix the problem. Well, you don't need numbing. You need life. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. You, you need life, and and there's only one source of genuine yeah. life, and and that's Christ. And we get that uh, through the scriptures, um, knowing that, and then retraining our minds, renewing our minds, and things like that. And so, yeah, the the best place for uh, any abuse victim or we're all victims of some wrongdoing in one sense, um, it is the church. I mean, this was God's good design and plan. You don't think God knew uh, that these things would happen, um, and yet he's ordained the church so that we edify, build up one another. Um, I mean, you think of the passages where he says, uh, we weep with those who weep. Well, why do you think he put that there? No. Because clearly there would be weeping. No one, no. Uh, that was, that's a sorrowful weeping, right? Because he also says we rejoice in those who rejoice. Um, and, and weeping comes from, you know, hurt. Yeah. Um, and, and so God's got that in there, but you can't weep with those who weep if you're outside of the church. Um, certainly, if you've become an enemy of the church, and, and that's very unfortunate. Um, because I think that's what Satan's done. He's made a lot of these women just an enemy of the church. Um, yeah. And, and it, at least uh, that's the, the the effect of what's happening, right? right? There, right. If, if every time you think of the church, um, you, you don't think of the bride of Christ, right? Then you have a wrong perspective of church. We can understand individual churches, local congregations, Um but if your mindset is just to go in and, a, a, and a, a expose everything in the whole body of Christ all the time, I'm really, I, I want to know, I, I have questions about salvation, genuinely. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not just to say, I don't think you're a Christian. It's to say, I'm worried that you may not be. Yeah. Because if you can become the accuser of the brethren, because that's exactly what that is. But it's even worse than that. Um, I think, and we haven't really talked about this, but I, just as we're talking, I think it's far worse than that because of the platform. The view is that um, it's not an individual church that's bad. It's kind of the the church at large. Okay, yeah. so now you're uh, demonizing Christ's bride. Mm-hmm. I yeah, that ought to be a fearful, frightful place to be. Because Christ is coming back for yeah. the bride, 
for which he died for, and you're attacking her, yeah. you aren't going to be on the right side of things when he comes back, if that's where you are. And, and we need to consider those things. So, um, yeah, any, any thoughts? Does that sound? Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with that uh, completely. And, and I think of John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them in truth. Mm. Your word is truth. And so that's where our source of sanctification is going to come. And uh, just to build up, uh, build on the point that you just made as well. Look, we're not saying that um, all those who are getting platformed or all those who support um, the platforming, we're not saying that they're not Christian. We are concerned uh, about where they are spiritually. Only God ultimately knows. And then we wouldn't know that unless we had a chance to really sit down and speak to those individuals. So, we're not just immediately just casting them out. Um, I believe that in some cases, some of these individuals are are real um, fellow sisters uh, or or brothers in Christ who are supporting them, and and they're just misinformed. But I'm reminded in scripture, you, you know, Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. Um, Paul uh, confronted Peter in Galatians chapter two over mm-hmm. hypocrisy that he saw. Um, we have in Matthew 18, the process of excommunication where you confront your brother um, when you see him in sin. And and so, we have to call these things out when we see it. And especially in this case, this is having um, a really a, a tremendously bad effect uh, upon the church. And so, the we need to stand upon truth and stand upon the full sufficiency of God's word. And that's what we're seeking to do. You know, you know one of these ladies that um, that um, has made a platform off of being a victim um, even said in one of her tweets that uh, the, the one who wronged her, she will never forgive him. Hmm. Um, and that's not a healthy attitude. Um, but she did not apologize for it. She said that that is her position, and she feels that that she is righteous to to have that kind of position. And uh, and and that's uh, again when you get really when you really let the victimhood um, just drive itself and and give into the bitterness that that that's what you get, and then you get something that that's not biblical. And now you've got to create your own justifications for why this is right, even though it's not biblical. So much simpler to say God's word is true, no matter what the circumstance circumstances are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in that instance, you. I mean, she's literally fighting God. I, I mean, it was Jesus. I, I mean, we understand the whole Bible is the authoritative word of God, right? And so, I, I don't actually like the whole red letter thing. But uh, Jesus Himself, right, says answers the question. Well, how many times do we forgive them? Yeah. I, I, I mean, he, there is no way you can read that passage and misunderstand it. Uh, it it's, not, it's not a passage you can misunderstand. He makes it abundantly clear. Um, and to just say, I don't care, I'm not going to forgive anyone for anything they've done, it, it really actually doesn't matter. Um, the, the, you know, the, the, that's why it's such a powerful testimony when you see things like, a uh, murderer comes into someone's home and and kills you know a husband's wife or a wife's husband and they forgive him in court and there's this whole freeing uh, kind of thing that happens well there's a reason for that um but there were no parameters around that right we forgive 70 times 7 or in other words in, in perpetuity we forgive we just forgive when someone's That's right. right yeah per um, day yeah. yeah and and so it doesn't matter if we forgive someone for lying uh, to us or stealing from us. Um, it doesn't mean we continue fellowship necessarily. That's not right. the point. Um, but, you know, uh, abuse victims. I mean, here's the reality. Um, you cannot forgive if you want, but you're in defiance to scripture. Yeah. Um, but the greater problem is unforgiveness takes a captive and the captive is the one who's unforgiving. It's not the other person. Right. Right. And and I can promise with surety that if someone's holding on to unforgiveness, they will never, ever find what they're looking for because you are going against the explicit word of God. And part of that, which was meant for your wholeness and your healing, um, you're refusing. And so you can take as many medications you want. You can go to the world. You can become rich and famous. Uh, which is another issue. You can be famous having these platforms, um, but you'll never get wholeness or healing um, if you know if you take that kind of attitude. And so, yeah, um, I don't know. It's not a lot more that I think we can really say to this, except constantly want to point back to the sufficiency of Scripture. Um, Amen. Yeah. It, but you've got to know what it says. No. And uh, you, you know, no one is excused from 
I think we've got to stop looking at uh, these things in Scripture that God gives us as um, an overbearing, dictating God um, and understanding them as a, a loving father who wants what's best for his children. And so he, it's the father who refuses to let their child stick their hand in the light socket because it would kill yeah. them. It doesn't really matter if they like it or understand it or agree with it yeah. or not. Um, maybe that's a bit simplistic, but I think it illustrates the picture. Um, but God has given us the church for our health. Um, he's given us one another. He's given pastors and teachers um, elders. And uh, yeah, when we submit to those things and we give ourselves to the way God's commanded us to live our life, it's only then that we really find, you know, wholeness and health and healing for these other things. Um, and then we learn to seek God's glory. And so, you know what? Yeah, we're going to suffer sometimes. Um, and some may be worth, uh, some may be sometimes maybe worse than others. Um, but God is made strong in our weakness, like Paul says. And when you learn that, um, we become, I, well, we be, that's part of the sanctification process. Yeah. The, 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 holy, the holy person, the person who's grown in sanctification is the one who says, how is God glorified in, in my trouble, in my weakness? Not the one who's complaining about it. Amen. Okay. Well, I, I hope you guys, uh, I, I mean, I hope this has been edifying. I know it's a difficult conversation, but we really, we, we need to end this platforming of abuse victim thing. It's not good or healthy for anyone because I haven't seen any healthy platforms. Um, so in ending, what, what I think it would be good is I, I want to link a couple uh, ladies blogs who I think are healthy. I think of Michelle Leslie. Um, if you're unfamiliar with her, I'm going to link her stuff in the podcast notes. And then um, I, I think her Twitter handle is HeadstickDeb. Um, also, I, I know Justin Peters has shared some of her stuff. She has shared some really good blog stuff. Um, and uh, I think um, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if she has cerebral palsy or what it I, is. I think she does. Yeah, it's um, yeah. It, it's a pretty severe uh, right, case of right. cerebral palsy. And so this lady knows what it means to suffer. Um, and yet, um, she still seeks to glorify God. And yeah. when she is able, because I think she uh, has to have assistance in, in doing articles, but she puts out some really good stuff. So, if you want to look at some ladies who I think are godly examples um, in character and their view on these things, uh, look to some of those, and we'll put those in the show notes, and that'd be helpful. So, um, thanks for joining us. Hope this was helpful. So, until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.